Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and DCRadio.gov. I am Wendy Cherry, your host, and I'm so excited to be back with you for 2019. Um, And this topic today that we're talking about since Christmas is just over or the holidays is just over and probably some of you have some bills and some um, smaller pockets than you had probably like in you know the summertime we're going to talk about getting money we're going to talk about wealth we're going to talk about putting money back into your pocket. And so I have with me Dr. Maria James, AKA the money scientist. Okay. And she applies strategic planning and scientific analytical thinking to money management. So welcome, Dr. James. Thanks for having me. Can I say Dr. Maria? Yes, that's okay. fine. Okay. So I'm going to say Dr. <laughs> Maria. Welcome. Thank you. So her expertise is with designing income management, debt management, and wealth strategies to help us live our best lives. Yes. So that is so important. I think that people, um, including myself, well, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to say people. I'll say myself. Over the years, I was always told that I would always have debt and that debt was just a, a part of life. And um, I was told that you're always going to have a bill. And I mean, you probably will, because if you have your phone bill, it's like those recurring monthly bills. I believe those things. But I was also taught and maybe not taught like somebody sitting down and like directing me. It's kind of like by osmosis, just watching how the people around me moved and how they moved around money, where I was believing that if I could get a good credit card with a low balance, then I was good. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, I also knew that, like I always hear people talk about a car payment. Mm -hmm. And I always hear people talking about those things. So over the years, you know, through college, I didn't have any debt necessarily, right? My mom, she took care of everything. She uh, managed her money, didn't really show us what she was doing, but we knew that we had everything we wanted and needed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we, we we definitely were blessed enough to be in that position. Now, I don't know the, um, the toll it took on her to, to have that be the perception for us, um, but I know that... It was something when I got old enough and I had to manage my own money. And then I realized I had student loans of my own. And then I wanted to get this apartment and then I wanted to get this car and all those things. It changed. Right. So (laughs) money in general. We'll talk about all different types of ways about money and what you do. But I would like to know how you became the money scientist. Well... I've always been interested in in science and finance from as long as I could remember. And um, some of my earliest memories around money and my mom, we always had piggy banks. Yes. Um, My mom liked Disney and we liked Disney as well. (laughs) Okay. Disney uh, movies. Yeah. And so my sister had Ariel, the mermaid, and I had Sebastian, the crab. And I don't know when we got them because I just always remember it being there. Mm -hmm. But we always had piggy banks and I knew that money went into the piggy bank for you to save. And um, I remember this one time, I had to be like maybe three or four, somewhere around that age, and I was pulling out the stopper on the piggy bank and like dumping out all the change and just clink, 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 clink. Right. You know how kids can be obnoxious and annoying. Yeah. So <laughs> for those with, you know, the three or four year old, you know what I mean? And um, I just kept doing it over and over and then putting all the money back in and dumping it back out and putting the money in and dumping it back out. And um, I remember my mom saying, 
you know, Maria, what are you doing? Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm playing with my money. It's my right. money. You know, right. like, it's mine. I'm playing with it. And she told me, I remember her telling me something to the, I don't remember her words verbatim, but it was something to the effect of you're supposed to put your money in there and you save it. And then when you have a lot of money, you can buy something big. Okay. And that really stuck with me of, oh, you're supposed to save money, right? right. And so I've always been interested in, in finances and then then science. And um, my older sister and my older brother, we started a business at the age of 10. We sold juleps. So those who grew up in Rochester know those are, I think in Baltimore they call them the frozen cups, DC oh. frozen cups. Okay. So we sold those and we had a good business and our parents taught us about what a profit was and I was the money person so I had to tell them if we made a profit and all that type of stuff. Okay. And so that really cemented my foundation in, in finance and, and the love of that and learning more about it. And then um, I was also very interested in science because I watched an Oprah special on HIV AIDS and uh, everyone looked like me. Right. And, um, and they still know. do. 2019 is exactly. terrible. Exactly. Terrible. And uh, I knew I wanted to do something about it. And when you're young, you think you can change the world. You know, you can you can mm-hmm. fix the world. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, decided that I wanted to go into that. I wanted to study that. And so that's why that was my graduate research when I okay. was doing my Ph.D., in cellular molecular medicine, my research was on HIV and AIDS. Wow. And so everything you that I learned. molecular medicine. Yes, cellular molecular medicine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a mouthful. I feel like a slacker. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I don't have to get into that that research, but it was very interesting, cool. Yes. And um, I took what I was learning in the lab about designing experiments and planning and critical thinking and all of that, and I applied that to money. Um, because at the same time, myself, a uh, sister, and a friend co-founded a nonprofit, and I was the director of finance for the nonprofit. So I was taking everything I learned there and applying it to my life as well as the um, business finances. Okay. And um, I'm not really thinking much of anything about it, you know? <laughs> like, just go ahead and doing it. And to me, it wasn't that. It was one world, science and finance. And I interchanged the two. And things that I learned in one, I used in the other. Things I learned in the other I use in the next one. And um, when I graduated from graduate school, I felt like I had accomplished what I set out to do. And I think financial empowerment, financial management in our community was something that was very important. It touches every aspect of life. Mm -hmm. And if you can get a person to have good financial management and be able to build wealth for themselves and their family, you create positive change in the community. And um, so I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And so that's how the money scientist was born. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it, and I feel like you had a good relationship with money. You weren't taught mm-hmm. that money's evil, <clears throat> excuse me, or you weren't taught anything negative about money. You were, your mom was just like, here's your piggy bank. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Put your money in and then you could get whatever. It mm-hmm. wasn't anything negative. So I think the mindset is one thing, um, hey Stephanie, the one thing is the mindset. And um, that's important. It's like the planting of a seed. So I'm thinking about your story with that. I'm thinking about being seven in Virginia with my grandparents and my granddaddy gave me $7, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, counting off them ones. I was lining them up. I was scooping them up. I was, you know, like deck of cards, Uh right? And I remember thinking I'm rich. Because I, I, my sister Amy didn't have it, mm-hmm. and I had it. I was like, I'm rich. So I always remember um, that story. But the first time that I ever, so growing up as a, a young adult, you know, I found myself in debt because of many different things. Um, people who were around me in some relationships I was in friends, family, whatever, I always remember them saying, um, you're always going to have debt. You know, if there's not, if there's one thing that's, or a few things that are constant is we black taxes and you're going to have some debt. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that the, um, and then always save, save, save 401k, you know, the mindset was saving, but it was saving for a rainy day and we should. Mm. But I think that the mindset of that there will be scarcity at some point, there will be lack of at some point is what, um, stuck into my brain. So the first time I ever had an inkling, a clue that there was a such thing as a debt freedom, I was um, hanging with a friend and he looked at his phone and he was just like, yes, 
And I was like, what? And he was just like, the last payment hit, I am now debt free. I was like, what? Like I had never heard of I am now debt free before. I'd never heard of that concept. He was my age. This was in my thirties. I'm like, you're debt free. Like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. That's a possibility. So then I started going to a church and it really was the first day I ever went to this church. It was a church that I would have never gone to. And they had this, this somebody there talking about the Dave Ramsey program. And so Dave Ramsey is like a money guy. You guys can Google him and figure him out. Um, But it's kind of like biblical principles to help you become debt free. So Mm -hmm. you're familiar with Dave Ramsey, Mm -hmm. excuse me, but he'd been a millionaire many times and then he lost his money and then he um, found a system. So I went through the class. It was like a 12 week class or something, maybe about eight years ago. And since that day, I have been debt free because Which of that. Is awesome. Never, ever heard of that before. Right. And I'm trying to stay that way. But I feel like over the years before that, I didn't have a good relationship with money. Mm. I was kind of taught we're supposed to be pious with money. We're supposed to like the meek, you know, like meek and whatever people who are very humble will um, inherit the earth. But what I'm here to say is get your money. Right. <laughs> I'm here to say money is awesome and money does everything, allows you to do all the things that you want to do. It, mm-hmm. uh, it can allow you to have the life that you say you want. Right. Right. Exactly. So it, money is just a tool. Money's a tool. Um, it's, it's energy. Right. It's 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 paper and coins when you get down to it. Right? right. And the reason that you want more money is not just to brag about you have money. It's what money would allow you to do. So there are things that are very pervasive in our culture. And you mentioned one of them, debt. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of people believe you cannot go through life and not have debt. We take on debt to get cars. We take on debt to get houses. Um, some people take on debt just for their general lifestyle. Yep. So they charge that coat. They charge those boots. They charge, you know, what have you. And we're led to believe that this is normal. Yep. Many people believe that this is normal. This is how you live life. You get that credit card, swipe that plastic. Like, it's normal. Just right. keep it under the recommended percentage. It's fine. And people believe that... Yes, there is a recommended percentage, 30% or less, and that really comes from lenders, right? Yeah. That looks good. So you can get more credit, right? Right, right, <laughs> right. But it's, if you don't carry a balance, it's much better. But people don't think that way because that is the cultural norm of you have credit, you have debt, mm-hmm. and like that's how we afford things, yeah. which is not the case. So once you shift that mindset and you realize that I don't have to use credit right. and there I can get big things and not use credit, I'm just going to have to save up for it. I'm going to have to plan my money a little differently in order to achieve them, in order to afford them. That opens up a whole new world. Right. So I want to hit like four things. <laughs> I want to go back and circle back to about four things that you said. So first of all, the one of the things to kind of think about is that money is energy. Mm. Because back in the day, in ancient times, there was no paper. So what we're looking at is a, it's called a fiat. I don't know fiat what, but it's a piece of paper that we have now agreed as a society that it has a value. So we talk about all about the Benjamins. It has Benjamin's face on the, the, the hundred dollar bill. And so we all agree as this society in this society that that is worth $100. So if you exchange it at the store, then somebody will say, yes, that value is a hundred dollars, but really it's just a piece of paper mm-hmm. back in ancient times. They would use bartering mm-hmm. and they would use other systems to, um, do an exchange for goods and services, right? Right. So I have on, for those who can see me on the Facebook Live, I have on a, a carry shell necklace and I didn't even mean to wear it. It's just what I was wearing for the day. But this was one of the ways that people in ancient times, specifically in Africa, they use as, they use beads, they use different oils, they use herbs, they use carry shells as ways to pay for services and things like that. So this is a new occurrence this fiat paper 
and we have become really tied to it Mm -hmm. and it scares the crap out of some of us hey Troy from downstairs Um, it scares the crap out of some of us and it also um, some of us love it Mm -hmm. and those of us who love it and embrace it and have a good uh, feeling about it we get more right yeah you draw to you you attract to you what you believe in you attract to you what you want right? right and so if you have the mindset and the belief that you know money's just a tool and i need to acquire more money in order to do what i need to do and what i want to do like then that's what you're attracting to you and it's not just think of like some woo woo thing where it's like i'm just going to sit here and think like mm, no money, this is a woo woo show come. <laughs> no, that, the, the people who listen to my show are woo woo so let's let's right, get woo woo but- on them <laughs> Right, but so it's not just you're just going to sit there and think about it and it's going to magically appear in front of you. But once you are thinking about it and you are setting it and you have that belief, then you order your steps and your actions, right? So thoughts become actions. So you order your actions through the thoughts that you maintain in order to achieve what you want, right? right? So believing that, okay... I can acquire money, believing that I can be debt-free, believing that I can build wealth, believing that I can leave an inheritance for my family, then you're going to order your steps to achieve it. Mm -hmm. So I think that definitely is a mindset shift that a lot of us need to embrace in the community. Right. And I think that because we have, um, we're socialized a certain way, we're socialized to believe a certain thing about money that we are the ones who are planting the seeds. Mm. This is why we are having this show today for anybody who's supposed to hear it, that you can become debt-free. You're looking at somebody who's debt-free. I have been debt-free for eight years and I would have never thought. Mm. But once you learn the techniques and once you learn how to keep your vibration at a certain level. So what I know is that it's um, money is energy and you're either giving it or you're getting it. Mm-hmm. So it's a flow. Think of water. Think of a flow. Think of a current currency, right? Going back and forth. You're either either saving, getting it, or you're um, giving it. And you you know that's one thing. Another thing is a lot of times if you hoard money, so you have to save. We're we're, we're we realistic and we woo woo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have to save. Yes. So it's also and because African principles are also and that's not an either or. So we are um, taught save, 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 hoard, 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 hoard. You can't touch it. You can't do whatever. Then that creates stagnancy Hmm. and stagnancy is death. When you when you become stagnant, so think of the water. So for those of you who need a visual, we're talking water. We're talking flow. We're talking current, a very graceful and peaceful in and out right soon as a stick gets there or a rock gets there it gets blocked and then after a while all the leaves back up then after a while the mosquitoes come Mm. and then that's dead right then it dies then there's no constant flow then that's when your money dries up you know what i'm saying that's when you could probably run into trouble and then when you see that you become fearful and then you start trying to do a whole bunch of things to change it and then it might even get worse before it gets better because then you're attracting and you're moving from fear you're moving from the spot of i can't pay my mortgage i can't pay my child's you know college tuition I can't get these groceries, you know, and then mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do that. Cause like you talked about in the beginning, what you say it is. And right. I like to say your word is your wand. Mm. I like that. Right. So that's the thing about money. That's something to just consider for yourself. Um, right. And as you think of it as it, as water and, and flowing, you want it to flow in one direction. So a lot of us have debt, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of adults in America have multiple different types of debt, Mm -hmm. medical bills, student loans, credit cards, mortgage, car loan, and most Americans have at least four different types of debt. And so that's causing your money to flow out, right? Mm -hmm. If you're thinking of the water, containing that that metaphor, that analogy, your money is flowing out, the water is flowing out. And what you want it to do is you want it to flow the other way and you want to be accumulating more mm-hmm. and having it flow up instead of it flow down and flow out, right. right? So we want to be generating wealth. So 
acquiring assets more and things that can out. bring more money. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I want you to, to have that included in the visualization. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want more in that's going out. Like right. you got to give yourself these mantras. Money flows easily. And it's so funny because oh look look on my laptop it's just there all the time on my laptop there's a little sticky that i created it says money comes frequently easily and abundantly yes i look at that every day so i just didn't even think about it it's just there all the time it's just what i tell myself right so then the other thing is um talking about you were talking about credit cards and people Mm -hmm. like just like to swipe there's an energy to that too. Our body does something physiologically. It has a reaction to plastic versus cash money, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So if you have like $20 in your pocket and you about to go to lunch with your friends, when you put that 20 down and then you know that the meal is 18 something, you like, ah, I probably got like $2 left, mm-hmm. right? How mm-hmm. am I, you know, am I going to get this lunch? Maybe I'll put the soda back, right? right? Right, But if you had the plastic, you would just be like, whoop, and you mm-hmm. would swipe it and you wouldn't think anything of it. So just know when you use cash, when you actually have the paper and you make the exchange with the paper, your body physiologically has a reaction to it. Right. It's about losing something. Mm-hmm. Because if I have the card, after I swipe, I still have the card. Yep. But when I give away the cash, mm-hmm. I no longer have it. You no longer have that $20. They're going to give you back too. Right. So you've lost, right? right. You feel that In loss. Your mind. You see you feel the like loss. You lost. Right. 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 Exactly. Because when you swipe the card, you still lost it. Right. But <laughs> right. you have that visual representation and physical representation of what you got back in your hand, the lightning of your pocket, and the money going away, walking away, right? So you have that visual of losing something so right. you're less likely to want to do that versus swiping the card that you still have the exact same thing it seems like right, right. <laughs> that you can put right back in your wallet right back right. in your purse so. right so it's really um important to just remember that and so a lot you know i love the idea of cash is king i like usually try to move with cash but i'll use my cards if i have to but i always pay things off you know Mm -hmm. and i have my little american airlines car i get my points and i fly wherever i want to go but for the most part i move in cash because cash really is king and you know this is one thing i learned from dave ramsey so this was this is one thing that i learned from dave ramsey and then Dr. Maria is going to give us some basic how-to steps on how to move forward as we manage our money. So I have heard the word and I have had a car payment for the times that I've had a car. You know, the 20 years or however long I've had a car since college, right? I was always taught, oh, that's just my car payment. Taking Dave Ramsey's program, he said, pay for the car in cash, Mm-hmm. Never crossed my mind. Never thought it was something I could do. And taking the class, I learned how to do it. And he taught us the skill of going into the car place and negotiating the rates. Because mm-hmm. when people see cash, just like the physiology of our bodies giving away cash versus the swipe, when those car salesmen see that straight cash money yo (laughs) then there they start to salivate and they will pretty much do whatever because they want to close that sale Mm -hmm. right so we know that going in you almost are trained to be giggly about it to be excited for the day that you can go in and throw the money Mm -hmm. down on the desk like a like you like uh one spades or whatever Mm -hmm. so think of the spades (laughs) game right so it took me six years So from the time I became debt free, it really did take me six years to pay for my car in cash. So I paid for the car in cash. Right. And and I had the bucket and I was rolling around D.C. with the bucket. But I also had the mindset of who cares? Mm -hmm. Because then I had the mindset that a car is a tin can on wheels. And as long as it's keeping me safe, the other stuff doesn't matter because a car depreciates. Exactly. The car depreciates, so you you can be riding in the hottest, dopest car that you want, but you're driving in something that's losing money, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Exactly, right? exactly. Everyone tells you that your house is an asset and that your car is an asset, and that's not really true. 
an asset is something that appreciates in value. Mm -hmm. So when you think of a house, if you still have a mortgage payment, it's not a true asset. You are putting, it's taking money out of your household every month. And don't pay them and see what happens. Right. You're going to see who really, who really owns the house. Right. Absolutely. Because they will come and get it. Right. They're like, and all your stuff is on the curb and please vacate our property. I'm like, but it's my house. Mm -mm, no. Right. Right. So it's not a true asset. Right. You don't own it outright and it's taking money out of your house every month. And a car, that depreciates in value. So the same thing, if you have a car payment, not a true asset. Like, yeah, you could sell it and get money, but nowhere near what you paid, what you for, paid it. for it. Right. So right. consider that when someone tells you that those are assets. Right. So consider that. And when I put my plan together, because like Dr. Maria is going to give us tools, it's good to have tools around money because it just doesn't come naturally to our community. We're not taught these things. A lot of people don't have um, the wealth that other, you know, um, that other cultures have. Mm -hmm. So we are taught a different thing about money and we move with it differently. So I was hyped. I waited for my car to straight up break down on 395. It rolled to the gas station and the guy was like, how did you get here? I'm like, I rolled here. (laughs) But I knew I had a plan and I had the money being saved six years. I go to the place, find the car that I want, and I know I got the like the wad in my pocket, right? Mm. So I'm letting the dude tell me all the stuff, all the things he's gonna give me once he runs my credit, right? Mm. Do it, do all of your bells and whistles, right? And so he did it all, and then I, I was like hyped. I, I had like the physiological <laughs> like response. I grabbed the money and then out, and then he said how much, and I said nope. Boop, spades game threw it down he was like hold on let me close the door I was like yeah close that door what we talking about give me all the stuff you just said you could give me mm-hmm. I want all of that and for less than what you said cause I got cash right. I could walk away right now Roop, scoop it up like some like some cards and roll out and mm-hmm. go to the next man so what's up so I rolled out with my car like yeah nice. and so I was just like I don't have a car payment and my car may be three years old now. And I didn't get the newest one because I just didn't need the newest one. Exactly. So those are just things like to think about if you've never heard. So the thing is to just plant the seed. We are awakening to different things, different ways to do things. The mind, the body and the spirit are all related to money and how you move is really important on whether you will attract more and or whether you will deter it from you. And there's little teeny tips and tricks that you can use to better your life and to to be able to do the things that you want to do. So over the years, I've been able to travel wherever I love traveling abroad I'm, I'm like a, a wanderer I love to be able to do that I love to be able to go to Whole Foods if I want to I love to be able to do the things that I want to do because of the freedom mm-hmm. of not you know being in debt being in bondage being a slave to money so Dr. Maria let's talk about let's talk about some tools and tricks that people can use to create generational wealth now one what is generational wealth and then why is it important gotcha so generational wealth is when you're able to build wealth and have it be passed on from generation to generation so that they can build upon it right and um certain segments of the population in the u.s uh have to start behind Right. Because there have been um, several different things with the history of this country that has led to policies that has inhibited um, some of the communities. Yes. Right. So we in 2017, there were a couple of reports came out. And so there were articles everywhere talking about the fact that um, it will take blacks over 200 years to uh, accumulate the amount of wealth that whites have today. Right. right? And so clearly. Um, major issue, right? Big right, problem. Right. And then another report showed that by 2053, the um, black wealth will go down to zero. And by 2073, Latino wealth will be at zero. Right? Wow. Major issues, right? Oh, so yeah. while there are systematic changes that need to take place, while we're working on different taxes and different policies that need to occur, there are things that we can do in our everyday life that we can use to do better money management and to start accumulating wealth that we would then be able to pass on to the next generations. And so obviously that's what we want to touch on a little bit today. Yes. What those things are. So when we talked about mindset and that's really the very beginning, right? Dr. Dennis uh, Kimbrough has a 
fabulous quote that I absolutely love, and that is that wealth starts in the mind. And you, like I said, thoughts become action, so you have to believe that you can do it. You have to believe that it's possible. And so one quick exercise that I want you to do is to write down all the things you heard about money as far back as you can remember, right? And some of the things are kind of like money doesn't grow on trees or you got Mm -hmm. McDonald's money Mm -hmm. or, you know, all of those type (laughs) of things like that that, you know, you probably heard growing up. All of those impacted your money ideology. All of those impacted what you think about money, how you spend money, how you view it. So I want you to write all of those things down that you can think about. And that's really going to inform you as to why you spend money the way that you do. Mm -hmm. And once you figure out your money ideology, you can work better with yourself, right? So, oh, I knew I shouldn't have bought those shoes, or oh, why did I do this, or oh, why did I do that? It all ties back to your experiences, whether they were positive or they were bad. They affected how you spend your money. So getting back to that and figuring that out is gonna help you moving forward with being able to stick to your plan and to stay motivated to a plan to do better money management. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Do that money mindset, figure out how to work with yourself. Right. And to be able to shift that mindset. And then the next thing is to just start acquiring the tools for money management. So I'm going to say the B word budget. Okay, <laughs> The B word okay, budget. You know, some people are like, Mm-mm, no, I tried that before. I don't work. And then try it again. Yeah. Right. Because the budget is just a plan. Yeah. The issue is a lot of people think of a budget as restricting. Like anytime I have to do better with my money or anytime I'm feeling broke, that's when I think of a budget. Right. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's not the case. You're always on a budget. Bill Gates is on a budget. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey is on a budget. Tyler Perry, whoever else you want to think of, they are on a budget. Right. They just got more money in their budget. So the budget looks a lot better. Right. right? <laughs> they're playing with a lot more. But they're on a budget. They know what money's coming in. They know what money's going out. And they know how much money they're putting towards acquiring more money. Right. Right. So I want you to apply out your budget and I want you to do a monthly budget and I want you to do an annual budget. And an annual budget is not just, oh, I'm going to take this monthly budget and times it by 12 for every category. No, because every month is not the same. We got birthdays that come up. We got events that come up. We got holidays, vacations. So side by side plot out every month for the year January through December and think about what's coming up so that you can plan so that you don't have to use a credit card you don't have to go into debt and you have time to figure out how can I afford this right right so do that monthly budget do that annual budget so let me ask you this you have a website right yes what is your website pocketofmoney.com so is this a resource that they can find on your website or where can they find this yes so I actually have a money management toolkit that has some free resources you can sign up and get it for free it has the monthly budget template in there that you literally just put in your numbers Um, the annual budget template is in there I also have an idea deal budget template where you literally just put in your income and it will populate all the budget categories to let you know what you need to aim for as to how much of your income should be going towards each of those categories Wow! um, in order to really optimize your cash flow for your financial goals. So what is the website? Pocketofmoney.com. Pocketofmoney.com. So that's the first thing Mm -hmm. that you can do. It's pretty much done for you. You just have to kind of get in there and, and Right. Put in some... It's right on the homepage. You right. can get the money management toolkit. Okay, good. Okay, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> right, so you want to um, use that budget. You want to do both of those so you, that you can plan, plan things out. And then the next thing is to work on saving more. Mm-hmm. So some of us are really great savers, right? And we got to talk about what comes after the saving because mm-hmm. that's one of the things that messed me up. I was a great saver. I'm still a great saver. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what to do after saving. I'm like, the money okay. was just sitting there. I didn't okay. know what the other piece was. But um, some of us are not great savers. So I think um, of the people who do save in the U.S., it's, uh, they save only about 3% of their income. Okay. And you have other countries, like I think in China, people save 50% of their income. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you guys, at least aim to get up to 20%. Okay. It has been shown that uh, millionaires, they save about 20% or more of their income. Annually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every month. Oh, monthly. Yes, okay. monthly. Every month. So whatever money's coming in, 20% of it needs to go towards savings. Right? And... When you're thinking about savings, the first thing you want to do is have an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. We talked about that rainy day Mm -hmm. because we know things happen. It's Mm -hmm. not about if something's going to happen. It's about when. Right. Because you mentioned the tire blown when you had that emergency in college. Mm -hmm. Right. So tires blow. Things just happen. You can probably think of something in your life where it was like, yeah, I wasn't planning on that. Right. Right? Whatever that was. So instead of having to swipe a credit card, you can pull some cash out. Right. 
so What's that a you're good amount for right so the recommended amount is six to nine months worth of bills saved up okay now depending on your situation some people feel absolutely fine with having three months worth okay. of bills saved up it really depends on how stable and financially secure you currently are how your risk tolerance is for how much it's going to be in your emergency fund right yeah, i'm scary so i know um they're like oh entrepreneur you must have high risk tolerance Nah, i used to have 12 months <laughs> worth of bills <laughs> saved up um in emergency fund at all times matter of fact if my checking account got below a thousand dollars i got high it's like mm, hold on what's happening right let me, <laughs> let me work this out right right and so it's really about about your risk tolerance and how financially stable you are um so I would say at the minimum three months. And then if you're an entrepreneur, especially go up to 12 months. Okay. If you're a professional working for someone else, six to nine months is fine. Worth of bills. And I think what's going on now really highlights the fact that emergency fund is important um, with the shutdown. So all yeah. of a sudden, thousands, tens of thousands of people are like, so I'm not getting my paycheck? Right. Um, what's counting on that paycheck? I got bills. The bills right. not stopping. So, right. you know, and those who have an emergency, in our emergency fund are going to be able to mitigate that. Um, so that's another thing. So as you think about savings, that's the first step is the emergency fund. And then once you have that emergency fund set up, like you may have other savings goals like um, a vacation or children's tuition or different things like that. Um, and then some of that money needs to go towards investments. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I taught, try, my daughter's a teenager. And so when she was little, I gave her those piggy banks like your mom gave you and your family. Mm-hmm. It was the give save and spend piggy bank right Mm. so the three pockets that you put it in because we still we work so hard we still want to be able to um you know we still want to be able to feel like we're using the money you know what i'm saying it's it's not a sin to use the money you know what i'm saying it just has to we have to be smart about it right so she just got paid for christmas like Mm -hmm. she got more money than i got for christmas (laughs) right and she thought she was just gonna buy like every color crock under the sun and i'm like no you need to give me a percentage of that we're gonna save that you can spend this and then you need to donate this so that's just sort of like something to consider for yourself a give save and spend situation where you know you deserve to spend the money again money is not evil money mm. should not be scary if you are scary then you will attract more scare sati to you right. but you also want to use wisdom so this is just about gaining some wisdom gaining some wisdom from dr maria about ways that you can do this pocketofmoney.com is one of the resources that has free stuff and i'm sure there's other stuff on there too Mm -hmm. you also have a podcast right yes i do pocket of money podcast okay um and so talks about different ways to manage money and then also um, side hustle and entrepreneurship because at some point you have to increase your money, right? Yeah. I believe in multiple streams of income. The more money you have to play with, the more money you can put towards financial goals. Right. Um, so there's only so much you can cut, but better money management and then entrepreneurship as well. Okay. So let's talk about some other things. You got your toolkit online. What else can people do um, to help build wealth for their grandchildren's grandchildren. Yes. So we talked about some of the fact that some of the policies have prevented, you know, some people from um, building wealth. Yeah, so they stopped but, us from, I mean, we, we say, we call a thing a thing here, right? Yeah. So some of the policies have been put in place to hold black people and people of color down. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just based on the whole way that the United States was founded, we came here with free labor. And yeah. a lot of the companies that we still support this day, they started with different names, but the families are the same who run them and they were all we they got it off of free labor. So then they just built, 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 built. Right. The interest, they just living off of interest, some of these families. Right. And, and I so like to that's give, where we are. I like to give specifics. Because people will say, well, what are you talking about? What policies, right? right? So let me just give a couple. So, for example, uh, real estate and a person's home is still considered to be one of the driving forces um, in building wealth in America today, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of people went and got FHA loans. There was redlining of FHA, FHA loans. And so they were not giving blacks and Latinos loans. So okay. if I can't get the loan, I can't go buy the house, right? right? So that's already step back in building wealth. Mm-hmm. Then the GI Bill, 1944. Right, so that allowed veterans coming back from World War II to be able to get money for education. They got money for their unemployment period for when they came back. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something else they got money for, but it was like a couple different things that they got money for. So 
even though blacks went and blacks and Latinos went to go fight, they were not allowed to be part of that GI Bill. So oh they goodness. did not get funds. So when they came home and they were unemployed, they didn't get any money so they could survive. They didn't get money to go to school and get higher education so they can get a better job. And so that played a role in preventing the accumulation of wealth. Systemic. So right. Exactly. So when I say policies and systemic, these are the type of things I'm talking about. Let me give you specifics so it's not just like... You know, <laughs> talking head, but right. So, so those are the type of things that occurred that resulted in um, prevention of building wealth in those communities. Okay, so, okay. So, you but know, what moving else can forward, we do? so right. we're doing these things where we're um, getting our money management in place so that we're financially secure, financially stable. Mm-hmm. So we're having the savings. We're getting rid of high interest debt, right? Okay. So credit cards and different things like that. Knock those out so you can use the snowball method, which okay. you're probably aware of from Dave Ramsey, yeah. and then there's the avalanche method as well. So let's talk so, about those. Right. So snowball method is where you prioritize your debt, you put it in a list, and that one you do the amounts, right? You do it according to amount. So the lowest amount is at the top, and then you move down to the highest amount. And what you do is you target aggressively one debt at a time. Mm-hmm. So you pay the minimum of all the others except the topmost one, and you pay that minimum plus what extra you have so that you can knock it out as fast as you can. And then when that debt is knocked out, you take that total amount that you were putting out towards debt and you add it to the minimum payment of the next debt account on the list. And so that way, it's like a snowball. The amount you're putting towards debt just keeps growing and growing and growing. And you knock it out faster, so then you end up saving yourself thousands of dollars that you would have paid in interest. Right. right? And the avalanche method, that one, you do it by interest rate. Right, mm. So you attack the one that has the highest interest rate first. Mm. Now, some people like the snowball method because they get those little wins. Right? Yeah, we deserve so. little wins. I mean, you do it whatever way that makes sense for you. But I feel like from a spiritual perspective, you get a little win. OK, then you go out to eat. Right, it and keeps you, you motivated. Next thing, right. And speaking about that, have a rewards line item in your budget. Yeah. So life gets tough, right? And we need times where we just need a little pick me up. We need a whatever, or just you want to be able to have fun and and I call it luxury and frugal living. So yes, I'm still okay. being frugal. I'm still you know doing my money management, but I still want to you know enjoy life a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So just set that money aside so that you're not setting yourself back when you want to do that. So yes. have that line item in your budget and just have a rule about it. You know, every six months. I'm going to go ahead and grab whatever's in my rewards amount that I was saving up and I'm going to go do something. Every three months, I'm going to go do it. Or, hey, when I hit a milestone and paying off my debt, I'm going to take whatever money is in my rewards account and I'm going to go have fun. Whatever rule you want to put towards it, go ahead and do that. So that way you can stay motivated as you're on your journey. So that is better money management for financial security and financial stability. Now, Mm -hmm. the wealth building piece comes in where now you're going to look at investments. In order to build wealth, you have to own something. So whether that is your own business or whether you are investing in other people's business. Because when you invest in stocks, that's all you're doing, right? You're taking a share of another person's business. You're saying, I believe this business is going to make money. I want a little cut. I'm going to put in some money. That's really what buying stocks is about, right? So as you're investing, either you're investing in yourself and your own business and you're looking at that um, return on investment or you're investing in another person's business. But we're going to create a list of assets. I want you to create a list of assets that you want to acquire in 2019. Because we all create a list of liabilities. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get that new TV. Oh, I'm going to get that new phone. Or, oh, I need to get that shirt. Or I need to get that whatever. All those depreciating value. So instead of creating a list of liabilities, I want you to create a list of assets that you're going to get. Right. Okay? So that's one thing. And you're going to acquire those by the end of the year. Then if you're thinking about generational wealth, What are you putting towards the next generation? So one of the biggest issues is that we have those student loans, right? Oh, yeah. I wrote that down to talk about. (laughs) Let's talk. Let's get into it. The number one load of debt in the United States. Student loans. So the average, I think, is is now it's over thirty three thousand dollars the average person is graduating with student loan debt wow and so since that's the average you know some people are much higher and that is college level not even graduate level once you get to graduate level that average goes up much higher i'm sure we all know people that have six-figure debt i know several that has six-figure debt student loan debt yeah from going to to graduate school and so when you have that type of debt you're starting so far behind because you got to pay that off because you can't charge it off no. Like some people talk about chapter 11 and whatever or whatever it is. Not for student Bankruptcy. Loans. Bankruptcy. You cannot. That's how they got us. <laughs> you can't do it. Nope. Nope. You cannot get rid of student loans that way. And so you've got to pay those off. And the issue is your debt will grow faster than your wealth. Right. Because yeah. if the average 
um, return on investment for you know investing in stocks or mutual funds, what have you, is eight to twelve percent. But your interest rate is you know ten percent on student loans and fifteen percent on credit card and six percent on your car, and your debt is growing faster than your wealth. So even if you're like, well, I'm still going to invest in and put something away while I'm trying to pay down debt, if you have high interest debt. It's growing way faster than whatever you're putting in for wealth. Right. So you've got to get rid of that debt. So when you have that mountain of student loans and you have that credit cards or what have you, you're starting so far behind. So one of the things that people like to do, and I and I encourage them to do and, and create a plan in order to get this done, is to help their children avoid taking out student loans. Right. So the ones of us who got it, me included, we already got them. Right. <laughs> no, we just have to work on paying them off, right? Right. We have a plan. We're working on paying them off. But for the next generation, helping them avoid those student loans. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about, oh, you taking out a student loan in their name and you're going to pay it off. No, no, no. I'm not talking about parent loans. Okay. So about how can we avoid them having to take out student loans, period, right? Okay. So look into 529 plans. Okay. All right. So these are investment plans that are just for your children's education. Right, okay. So you know how a 401k or TSP, depending on where you are, 401k mm-hmm. or equivalent account, mm-hmm. that is just for your retirement. It's investing going towards retirement. 529 plan is investing going towards your children's tuition, children's education. Right. So look at the 529 plans offered in your state, and you don't even have to get it in your state. You can get it in almost any state. Okay. Right? So I want you guys to look into that. Look into those 529 plans. Um, if your employer offers a 401k, look into that and start contributing the money. Right. Start putting money towards your 401k and ask if there's an employee match. Match, right. Exactly. And, and, and give up to the match. Exactly. I did it for make 10 sure years. you get them and make sure yes. you get that match because then you're just leaving free money on the table. Yep. All right. So 401k, get the match, look into 529 plan so that your children can um, hopefully not have to take out student loans. They'll have money to pay for their higher education. Um, the next thing is making sure that you are building up something that you're able to pass on. So a lot of people have been thinking about real estate as um, investment. And real estate is really an investment for the next generation. If you're purchasing a home, because the only way to get that money, get the equity out of the home, is to sell it. Oh, right? So okay. if that is your forever home, yeah. like that is your family home, right. you're not selling it. Right. Right? So yes, it's an asset, but it's an asset that you didn't have to pass on. Right. Right? You're not going to cash out on the wealth that you've created by paying off that house, right? It's really for the next generation. Like, let's just be real, people. Like, that that's the truth. Right. So having that home and having that paid off and then leaving it, so we want to make sure we're creating wills and everything like that, yes. designing and saying what goes where when we pass away. So having that passed on to the next generation so that they have that asset, they have that that starting off of wealth, right? Right. So we already, okay, we're passing on a house. Okay, we're, we got them the 529 plan so they don't have to take out student loans. You want to have something to give them a leg up, mm-hmm. right? And if you have a family business, passing on the business, right. right? That is a great asset. So whether they work in the business or, or run the business, not necessarily being there physically themselves, mm-hmm. but even if they sell the business, that is then money that they can get in assets that they can, you know, cash out on and use to build, continue to build wealth. Right. So that's how you create the generational wealth. Okay. So let's go back. I want to just touch a few of these things. So the student loan thing is interesting. I had a student loan for years. Like, I didn't know that I had a student loan until I knew I had a student loan. Oh, right. <laughs> One of those situations. Yeah. So it was fine. And it took me 15 years mm. to pay off the student loan. And I just went to undergrad. And it was mm. interesting. I went to undergrad at Virginia State University. Shout out to the Trojans. And I actually did a party there with my friends. Right. And from the party, I was able to pay off the rest of my student loans. So it was like a full circle moment, right? But what I did was I kept paying the interest, the principal down. So Mm -hmm. every time I paid the regular, I would always put more to the principal. Mm -hmm. And they made it hard to do. Like I had to go three extra steps to be able to add the money to the principal Mm -hmm. to be able to get it down. But it came down pretty quick. And then when I had that party in 2007, boom, it was done. And so that's just another thing to do if you're paying on something, if you haven't started, put a few more dollars on mm-hmm. the principal and go the extra steps to to pay those to to do it whether it's mailing it in or whatever it is that they make it hard to do but mm-hmm. do it because it makes sense yep, right exactly. it helps and do that and pay before the due date so 
it depends on your bank or depends on your lender, I should say, when they calculate the interest. Mm -hmm. But if you pay before they calculate the interest, then you're avoiding, you're paying less. So even if you haven't paid off the amount completely, Mm -hmm. the balance is less that they're calculating the interest for. Okay. So you'll actually end up saving a lot more by paying before they calculate the interest and create your statement. Okay. So do that as well. Ah, good tip. (laughs) Good tip. Um, The other thing is just um, being careful of products at the bank. Now, we have 10 minutes. It goes fast every time, right? But banks have products. All those different credit cards and loans, that's a product. So be very careful when you're getting yourself, when you're signing on a dotted line um, and they're selling you this product. Mm -hmm. It's not, unless you're just in a situation where you just need something right then, just see, like Dr. Maria said, is if you can start, saving your emergency fund. If you can start doing those things, then you may be less likely to have to get one of their products to then be in debt longer. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think I explained that exactly how I wanted to, but it's a product. Right. So the bank is a business. It's a business. And they're about making money. So everything is set up to get the most money out of you as possible. They're not your friend. Yeah, <laughs> right. So as friendly as your underwriter is, as friendly as that whoever is working at the bank is, like the policies that they have to follow is they didn't write the policies, but the policies that they have to follow of their company is to get as much money out of you as possible. So just be aware of that as you are are buying whatever you need to buy. Right. And then talking about being able to pass down something for the next generation. So this was really touching to me about 10 years ago. I got a check for $75, right? And it was basically my dad who passed away years ago, his sister who wasn't, um, who wasn't, who was in a, a mental home pretty much. She passed and she thought enough of me and however every many cousins I have, lots of different cousins, but somebody set it up enough to think of me and my sister to include us in her will. We didn't, I didn't know that lady. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I saw her once maybe when I was five or mm-hmm. 10 or something. But the fact that they put it in and they sent me that check, I think I boohoo cried. And I think it, it, would, it meant more to me just because of the spirit in which it was given than, than the amount of money. Right. So that made me even more clear on knowing that I have a whole rack of nieces and nephews and I have my own daughter and leaving something for them because I could use that $75 back then when when I got it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's important to have our papers set up. It's important to have our will. It's important to have, you know, how we want to move if we pass. If -hmm. we're in a situation, um, I forget the names. I have all these documents, but I can't think of the name of it. Right, like power of attorney. Power of attorney, right. Right, um... A living will. I was just talking, living I think, to my trust. sister. Exactly. Right. Because there are times where you may not pass away, which would the will would take care of, but you're incapacitated, so you're not yeah. able to make the best decisions. And a living right. will would, would help that. So that. do you yeah. have any resources on your website about that? Or where can people go that you know of to mm. kind of set that up? I did it through Susie Orman. She had a whole free situation like 10, 12 years ago. I got it. Mm-hmm. And then I had to get it notarized or whatever, but I have it. And I gave the copies to all the people that I knew would take care of it. If something happened to me, yeah, would you... they would have to email me. Cause I have some colleagues who do, okay. do that sort of thing. I don't do it myself. Okay. Um, so what's your email? Info I N F O at pocket Okay. So let's talk about getting our stuff together. Cause I know that, um, People have died recently and business was not taken care of, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I actually over the holiday went and talked to my mom for like the fifth time. We've talked about it. I have her documents, but things change. So she like prepaid for her funeral, but the funeral home closed in the town. Mm -hmm. So then what you do, you know. So we had these conversations about like. What do we do? What are the next steps? What do we do with the house? What do we do with all the stuff in the house? Mm-hmm. It wasn't the fun conversation. Right. I wasn't excited about having it, but I do feel better knowing what 
needs to happen. And then I wrote all that stuff down in mine. So my sister has mine. So she knows what to do if something happens because right. anything can happen. Exactly. So life insurance, look into that. Um, always make it a yearly habit to check the list, the benefit beneficiaries listed. Yeah. Um, I talked about this on my show a little while ago. There are instances where if you don't update it, whoever the current spouse is or whoever is the one who gets all, everything, everything right. that's there. Right. And so um, there are instances where children don't get anything because, you know, the father or the mother remarried and they forgot to change the beneficiary. Like, it's crazy. So um, make sure that you update, update that What do as you well. think about black banking black and black banks? Is there a any value to us in putting our money in black banks? Yeah, I think it's a it's a banking institution like any other. They have mm-hmm. great products and resources for mm-hmm. you and then you also are able to keep your money in the community that you care about, right? Okay. Um, that's an issue with the black community. The dollar, so for example, the dollar in the Jewish community lasts for months. It bounces around from business to business to business, Jewish businesses for months mm-hmm. um, in the community. Ours last about six hours yeah. and then it's out of the community. Um, so if you're blank, banking black, and that's the community that you care about, then you're making sure that your dollar stays within the community longer. And they're also putting, they have initiatives that work with different um, facets of the community. So if you care about that, you know, your dollar is going towards that as well. Okay. Because that's what I did a few years ago. I took all my money out of the traditional banks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I put it in a black bank. But I'm going to tell you, just the customer service that I get and just the hands-on that I've gotten if I've had an issue, like somebody stole my credit card number. Mm. They were on it in two seconds, like on it, you know, and I don't remember ever having that level of care. So it's still a bank, it's still products, but Mm. still I feel comfortable knowing that they're supporting. I see their logo on all types of stuff and they actually do, mine is Industrial Bank and it's here in Washington, D.C. They actually do initiatives and my daughter went through an entrepreneurship program with them. So I feel confident knowing that at least if I'm still doing the product thing or whatever they have, the salesy stuff, that they're still supporting us Mm -hmm. and helping us build wealth. So we have about three more minutes left. Um, Do you have any last like tips for people to be able to really feel like they walked away with something in their hand that they can do it? Because I know it gets a little scary. The money talk Mm -hmm. can get a little scary. It can get a little overwhelming, but we're talking progress, not perfection. We're talking baby steps. So what is another, maybe one or two baby steps before we close? Well, I want to kind of recap because I know we've been talking for a while and we touched on a lot of different things. So just like a boom list so that you can just write down this list and be like, okay, this is my target list. This is what I'm doing. Yes. So one, the budget, right? So do that monthly budget, that annual budget. You can get the toolkit um, on my website um, if you need help with that. Then I want you to figure out how you can increase the amount of saving that you're going to do. So how the money coming into your household, how are you going to save more of that money? There are tips on the website for that as well. Your debt reduction plan, right? So if you have debt, if you're not, you know, like debt free and woo woo, like yes, mm-hmm. um, how are you going to be able to reduce that debt? We talked about the snowball method and the avalanche method. Whatever, whichever one works for you, pick one of those, stick to it, and get that, knock that out. Create your list of assets. So we know to build wealth, you need to own something, right? So the money management with the saving and the reducing debt, that's all about creating financial stability and financial security, which is important. But now you also want to do the building wealth piece, right? So acquiring the assets. So there are a list of assets that you're going to acquire this year in order to get you on that wealth building journey. And some of the ones that I mentioned that you probably can get started with immediately was the 401k or whatever mm-hmm. equivalent account your employer has and to go up to the employee match, like we mentioned, and then start, if you have children, thinking about the 529 plan. Mm-hmm. And so that goes towards um, investments for their higher education. And then also for the kids, the give, save, and spend. Go somewhere and get three little piggy banks so that they see the buckets. Give, save, and spend and encourage them. Even if you don't, it'll help you Mm -hmm. to remember to um, divvy it up in that way and not to be afraid of money, but to embrace it and, you know, this is like what I say, money's my bitch. Like I made it my bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not going to run me. You're not going to make me be fearful. I'm going to run you and I'm going to be able to do the most awesome, amazing, wonderful things, the things that I love to do 
because of the money, yes. right? And so my little favorite song is Get Money by Lil' Kim and um, Junior Mafia. <laughs> like That's what I put on. That's my mantra. <laughs> so Dr. Maria, thank you so much for coming. Um, tell for everybody again what your website, all your socials, and gotcha. then we'll close out. So pocketofmoney.com is the website. That's where you'll find the free resources that you can sign up to get. You'll send them right to your inbox. And then on social media, just look for Pocket of Money and you'll find me. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm all there. Okay. Well, thank you again. And thank you for joining us in the sanctuary. Um, And we will see you next time. And welcome to 2019. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.